Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello, and thank you once again for joining us for the Financial Fund Podcast. Today, our guest is Linda West. Thank you so much for joining us, Linda. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Linda, please tell us what it is that you do. What's your passion? Well, you know, it's funny you ask that question because a couple of years ago, I would have said, I have no idea what I do because I was figuring out what it is I do and what my passion is. And just recently, I actually figured it out, which is so cool because when you know what your passion is and what your purpose is here on earth, it makes it a lot easier to remain in alignment with who you are and doing the things you want to do. So with all of that said, what I've discovered is that I have this um, innate ability to be able to calm people's nerves so that they can do things that they're scared to do. Oh, that's very, very needed because yeah. fear is in everything and everyone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. It's the number one thing that stops people from doing what they need to do. Mhm, mhm. Absolutely wonderful. And what is your family situation, Linda? Well, I'm married. I've been married for about 27 years with my with my husband for 30 years and I have a son and a daughter, you know, Tim and Gina and my son Tim is married and has three granddaughters. So, I'm a grandma. Oh, well, I have to say that you look absolutely amazing for a grandma. <laughs> Thank you. I'll I'll tell myself that all the time. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? You need to tell yourself that all the time. Women yep. we beat up on ourselves and unfortunately on each other way too much and we need we need to stop that. That is for sure. And you know what? I'll just share a really quick story is that once I uh, realized what people see in me, I started seeing that in myself. And that has been a huge change for me in that my last like three years of my life is just for me to see myself through the eyes of others because others see the true me. And then once I realized that all I need to do is see who they see, I actually started liking myself and just totally changed who I am. It's amazing. Well, that is that is a very, very good thing. I can definitely see how you would be helping people get over a lot of their own fears and insecurities that unfortunately plague pretty much everyone. Yeah, yeah. No matter, you know, rich, poor, it doesn't matter. We all have fears. I've interviewed a lot of people and I've interviewed billionaires and millionaires and I've talked to them about fears and they all have fears, every single one of them. Some of them might be fears that we don't understand, you know, at a different level, but they still are fears for them. And so, it, yeah, fear plagues us all. Yes. And it's one of the things that if we want to make the world a better place for everyone, we have to get people over their fears. Yes. 
and what I'm seeing so much in the business climate and especially in the political climate is fear is dictating everything and it's poisonous. It sure is. You know, the media really plays into our fears and the media is what causes a lot of our fears. I was talking to a gentleman from France. And he said, you Americans, you just have like, everything is based on fear. You know, and I was like, what? I thought it was the way this way for everybody, you know, and he said, our news isn't like this in France. You know, we don't make people scared and make them buy things because they're scared. You know, so I thought it was just an interesting concept that I maybe fear is a driving factor more in some countries than in others. Very, very much so. Like if you watch news sources from different places around the world and you compare it to what you see, especially on American news, it's mm-hmm. like a night and day difference. Wow. Like it's a really, really big difference. Well, I'm glad I don't watch the news anymore. I haven't watched the news <laughs> since I left my job. I haven't watched the news. <laughs> well, it usually doesn't tell you anything that's good. It doesn't tell you anything you can do too much about. And right. <laughs> most of it is so extremely biased that you can't really count on it. One of the funny things, well, funny and quite disturbing all at the same time is the stuff going on uh, around about the uh, Sinclair Broadcasting, the network, and mm-hmm. uh, the scripts they've had all of their anchors across all 200 American news stations read. That's disturbing. Oh. Okay, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm sure it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it is, but people have to be aware of what's going on so that they can yeah. start making positive choices and be aware because it is very much talking about fear. That one is a hundred percent fear based. Yeah, and I do. I get a lot of my news from Facebook. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> most people do, but it's like, okay, what what things are you following on Facebook? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's like news stations, too, because, you know, you have your liberal news stations. So if you're watching that, then you're getting the liberal news. If you have your, you know, more conservative news station, then you're going to get that conservative spin on it. So it all you have to take the information and then do what you want with it in your mind and and turn it into the reality that you want to actually believe in. It's really kind of crazy if you think about it. Well, speaking about like your, your teaching with dealing with fear and stuff like that. What are some of the biggest things that you find when you're working with people? Like, what are their biggest fears around money that you've been seeing and experiencing? Because that's a, that, I know personally, that's a huge one for people. Yeah, definitely. Money is one of the biggest fears. And, you know, people um, have a scarcity mindset that if I, if I spend the money on this thing, then I won't have any more money or, you know, not realizing that they can make money in different ways. So for example, when I worked in corporate, I also had a a business on the side. So I had a side hustle. And so I looked at my corporate job as that was the money that I would use to, you know, for the house, for the car, uh, maybe go on a vacation every now and then using some of that money. But then my side hustle money would be to, to enjoy the vacation, you know, like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like this would be the extra spending cash. Maybe if we wanted to go to the casino or something, we would use some of my side hustle money so that we could, you know, live a life that was more luxurious, I guess is kind of what I'm saying. And so a lot of the, um, the money aspect is really an interesting one because two of my clients just recently got off of government aid and, um, you know, I know different, some countries don't have a government aid because they, you know, have more like a socialistic system. But in our, in our system here, we have, you know, government aid where if you're below a poverty level, then the government will give you money. 
for, you know, food or we'll just you know, give you money for rent and things like that. So anyway, two of my clients were on government assistance and I didn't even know it. But uh, one day one of them came to me and she goes, I've been on government assistance for seven years. You know, she's married. She has two two little kids. I've been on government assistance for two years. I'm sorry, for seven years. And I am finally off of it. Oh, that's got to be a good feeling. It was such a good feeling. But I asked her, how does that feel? And she said, it's scary. And I realized that the government aid system, there's such a divide, a huge divide between poverty and what numbers you need to bring in financially in order to make it so that you don't need any more aid. So she was like teetering between that. Should I get out of aid or should I not? Should I? Because she didn't want, she didn't know if she was going to be able to make it financially if she stopped accepting government aid. So it's a, the mindset, it can really, really get messed up when, um, the, when the, um, divide is so vast. It was so far, you know, the financial divide was so far that she could never fathom in her mind that she would ever make enough money that she could support herself. And that, you know what, that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me because the, the, the fear and if you've never been exposed to it and, or if you've ever been through hardship and going, okay, how am I going to feed my kids and stuff like that? That's terrifying. And that can affect for um, a really, really long time. So thinking about with the kids and stuff, are you finding that when you're talking with your clients and stuff that they're noticing how it affects their kids and how their kids are thinking about money and that? Yes, because another one of my clients who also was on government aid, um, she had been, oh, this, this story just really kills me, but she had been on government aid for nine years and, um, I was, just, I, we were just friends and we were just talking. She became a client. Um, but we were talking, you know, for about two years or so. And, and then after about two years, she told me that she's, was on government aid. And I said, Oh, really? Cause, you know, she had a pretty decent paying job, but she, didn't make enough money to not be on aid. And she said, yeah, I'm on aid and I, I don't, I haven't gotten a raise in, in um, nine years. Mm -hmm. And I said, nine years. She goes, yeah, and I'm actually kind of glad because if I get a raise, then I won't get our aid because I'll be making too much money to get the aid, but I won't be making enough money to live. Yeah. It's that lovely catch 22. Right. So well, what happened though is, she was getting the, getting aid to pay for her daughter to be in soccer. And her daughter was really good and really loved soccer. But so the money was going to the school and then to also the uniform and stuff like the traveling money, you know, to be able to go travel with the team and all that stuff. So the aid that she was getting was specifically for her daughter and the soccer stuff. Mm. So she was really scared that if I, if I took a raise that I wouldn't be able to make enough money to be able to have my daughter be in soccer. Yeah. So it was just this kind of crazy, um, you know, mental state that she was in, right? So what I did is I, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you haven't had a raise in nine years. I mean, we, we gotta change that, you know? And she was like, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to. I'm scared. And this, I said, all I want you to do is put together your resume. That's all I want you to do. So she put together her resume and she emailed it to me and we tweaked it a little bit and it looked really good. And I said, that's awesome. You put it together. Okay, now what I want you to do is just start looking to see what kind of jobs are out there. I don't want you to apply. I just want you to look because I had to take her through a gradual shift mm 
Oh, yeah, you don't want to shock the system. <laughs> yeah, but what happened was crazy. And if you believe in the law of attraction. Oh, completely. <laughs> okay, so, so what happened was absolutely amazing. Um, she put together her resume. I looked it over. The next day, she started looking online, and she met this woman in the elevator. And she and the, that woman didn't know each other, but they had seen each other in the elevator from time to time. And so the woman in the elevator said to my client, she said, um, hey, I'm leaving my firm. She's also a legal secretary. She says, I'm leaving my firm, and you would be a perfect fit. <laughs> Send me your resume. Okay. This was the next day after we looked over her resume. Now, here's the crazy things about this is that they didn't know each other. The woman didn't even know she was a legal secretary. So how? what made her think that she would be a perfect fit? I don't know. But the law of attraction, I believe, attracted them to each other at exactly the right day that it needed to happen. And you know what? I've seen it happen in so many different ways that I'm going, yes, it completely does work. That's how I found my husband. <laughs> And there you go. I did too. Yeah. Well, let, well, let me finish this story though, because it gets even better. Really? Okay. So, so she sends her resume off to this woman and then the, the, ba the boss liked her resume. So they called her up for an interview. So I said, okay, before your interview, I'm going to meet you in the lobby. I'm going to pump you up. You're going to go up there. We're going to talk about how much money you're going to ask for and all this stuff and to get you, you know, confident. So, she, so we, I, I met with her. And I told her how much money to ask for, and it was a $20,000 raise, okay? So her mind had to say, I'm getting a $20,000 raise today. So I sent her up there, and she interviewed. She told them $20,000 more, and they hired her on the spot. <laughs> no longer needs aid. And, and she's received since then. It's been like two years since then. She's gotten six raises. Yeah, raises. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's incredible. You like what it's, it's our mindset. Her mind was stuck and I don't want to do this because I'm fearful. But then someone like me came along and yeah. said, you know what? Let's, let's just see what we can do. Let's see if there's something different out there for you. That's all. And no stress. You know, I don't want to cause stress on people. I want it to be a gradual change for them. Well, you want to, they need to be comfortable with it. Otherwise right. they're fighting it. Yeah. So it's possible. It's possible to get a $20,000 raise. Isn't that amazing? Like, is. Oh my God. It is. So what got what got you into doing this? Like you said you you were obviously a legal secretary and stuff for a while and you said you've done all sorts of different jobs and stuff. So what got you doing what you're doing now? How did you figure out that this was your passion? Well, uh it was three and a half years ago when I, I quit my job. I actually um came home from I came home and told my husband, you know, I was quitting my job and we were gonna sell our house, you know, because I had to follow my dream and passion of helping people. That's all I knew is that I'm here to help people. So I had to figure out what that meant. So it's been a, about a three-year journey of figuring out, like, what is it that I actually really do? And for some reason, I was able to, you know, hone in on what I do is I help people feel comfortable to do things that they're scared to do. And I just, I've always done that my whole life, but I never knew what it was. You know, I never sat there and looked at it. And so once I figured that out, I realized that I needed to start, you know, helping people do those things. So I put on, like, I've helped more than 350 people do their very first live video. And, you know, cause that's a scary thing for people to do. I've helped, you know, over 50 people speak on stage for the first time ever. Ooh. So I help, I help people with those first time things. 
and then help them figure out how to make, you know, hone in on it and make it better. You know, that's what I do. And I just have always been that way, always been an encourager, always been a person who motivates people into action and just is realizing it that that's what I do and then figuring out how do I monetize that so that I can make a living and continue doing that. Yes, I just got to ask. It's like figuring out how to how to monetize because that's that's another thing that so many people well i love i just love talking to people how can i make money doing that well (laughs) ellen degeneres and oprah winfrey okay (laughs) yeah like there's there's ways that if 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 you think about it and and you you put it out to the to the law of attraction universe god however you want to put it Mm -hmm. amazing things can happen but you have to take those steps afraid yeah And it's interesting you mentioned Ellen DeGeneres and Oprah Winfrey because those are my two favorites. Um, and I actually have my own show called Living Live. And on Living Live, I interview people and I discovered, you know, throughout the last maybe year and a half that I could actually monetize those interviews. So what I'm doing now is I'm putting, I'm in the process of putting together a webinar where I teach people how to make money interviewing people. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Well, I, I will definitely have to be listening to uh, to what you're doing. Mm-hmm, definitely. It's it's a, it's a blast. I was on the red carpet three weeks ago interviewing stars. I mean, it's like, what? How did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and you're going, yeah, how did, how did this end up? Because that's pretty incredible. <laughs> it is. I, it was not my intention, you know, ever. But then uh, an opportunity, uh, an opportunity showed itself. And I said, yes. And I just grabbed it and, and went for it. And that's what opportunity, you know, fear when we, when we uh, let our fears subside and we let faith take over, you know, things will just start to unfold right in front of your very eyes. But then you have to make sure you jump on it. Yes. Oh, very, very much. So you have, you have to be ready and willing to act on it. And that's another mm-hmm. thing that I find shuts so many people down they they build up these great big stories in their mind yeah because of things usually it started as as a child they saw something and they didn't fully understand what was going on so they made this great big horrifying story in in their mind and they're 60 years old and they're still living in that five-year-old story that's Mm -hmm. terrified yeah i did that for so many years you know in 2015 um january 1st i woke up and i said what am I going to do different this year? And I, cause it was the year that I had just left my job. I left my job the end of November of 2014. And so I, for some reason, I decided I was going to face a fear every single day. And whatever was the first fear that came into my mind that morning was the fear that I faced. Oh, dare I ask what are some of the fears you faced? <laughs> well, you know, it is interesting because none of them were the scary things that we think, you know, like it wasn't jumping off of cliffs or anything like that. But because so many of my fears were internal and, you know, just like mental and emotional fears because of my childhood, you know, growing up in that alcoholic of you know, household, I had a lot of fears, you know, so I had to get rid of a lot of those fears and I didn't get rid of them. I still have a lot of them. So one is, uh, for example, I'm a very, I'm a very shy person. When I go to networking events, I wanted to sit in the back. I hated it when they would come around and say, Oh, what's your name and what's your business? You know, I hate, I just hate that stuff. And I would sit there and shake, like my hands were shaking, palms were sweaty. You know, I felt like my throat was all closing up and, and everyone, it was coming around to me. And all I did the entire time while everybody was introducing themselves is thinking to myself, my name is Linda West. My name is Linda West. <laughs> 
I, you know what? I've heard that from many, many people. <laughs> yeah. Not that my name is Linda West, but the whole story is going on in here. Yeah. You know, it, it's aggravating and that, that I can just be scared to say my name, you know? And so I, I realized that that was one of my fears. And so I had taught myself a way that I could then now show up to networking events and make it through it without having that feeling. So I created a process where what I do is when I drive to a networking event, I imagine myself already at the event and everything's already going strong and I'm already in there talking to people. I feel very comfortable. I feel alive. I feel amazing and happy. So I imagine myself as if I'm there at the event. But then when I get to um, like my cars, I'm in the parking lot, parking my car, I look in the mirror and I yell one word. And this one word gives me a positive energy. I yell, Shazam! (laughs) (laughs) And it makes me laugh. And it it always makes people laugh when I tell them. But I use that word and I'm staring in the mirror saying, Shazam! And it makes me giggle, which just gives me power. Yes, exactly. Laughter kills all sorts of fears. Oh, yeah. It's amazing what what you can do. So, like, that was one of the... uh, fears that I faced. I walked up to a gentleman in Starbucks. He was sitting all by himself because my fear that day was to talk to strangers in a, in a place where I'm by myself. So I walked into Starbucks looking around for somebody who was sitting by themselves. And um, there was this one gentleman sitting there and I walked up to him and I said, excuse me, sir, do you mind if I have a seat with you? And so he said, sure. And I, and I told him, I said, I'm facing fears and my fear today was to talk to a total stranger. So do you mind if I have like a, just a five minute conversation with you? And so he said, sure. And so we did it. And then I got up and I left. Like I ran to my car, you know, like, <laughs> I would have been running to the bathroom, but that's just me. But you know, I, I did it. I did it. And, and a lot of those fears that I had, some of them were repeats, you know, because they were so ingrained into my brain that I had to repeat, you know, working through that same fear again and again and again. But at the end of the year, I realized that I gained so much confidence in that one year just by facing fears on a daily basis. So I wrote a book about it called The Year of Fears. <laughs> Why not write a book? <laughs> so to, to, to finish off, off here, what would be some three things that you would suggest uh, kids learn so that they can get over their fears about money? Well, the first thing I would say is um, I think the toughest thing for kids, and this is, you know, talking about my own experience of me, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but is we listen to outside sources way too much. If we could learn at an early age to discover who we are and live as that person, I mean, that opens up so many doors. So financially, that would be, you know, learning, like learning what money is. Oh, very, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Knowledge gets rid of a lot of fear. Exactly. Well, you know, I had a lot of fears related to money. And I realized that my relationship to money was love. So, for example, um, my dad, when he would do something wrong or he would when he would take something out on one of us, he would then repay us with money. So in my mind, I equated, oh, that means he loves me. So I related money to love and how that was important later on, you know, just this last few years, is that I never wanted to ask people for money to pay for my services because what if they say no and that means they don't love me. 
Oh, and I think that's really interesting because I've talked to other people throughout the years and, and my career and stuff that also grew up in, in, in abusive relationships and their parents, yes, when they were rather mm-hmm. than apologizing or fixing their behavior, they would go out and spend money and other people would not associate money with love, but they would, they would associate money with, with, with the abuse. So they would go the other way with mm-hmm. their emotions on, on, then they would push any money away because it would just make them think of the bad treatment they'd gotten. Yeah, so it can go both ways, right? Oh, very much so. Yeah. so I think I I love what you're saying there, being being aware of of your relationship. Sorry, what else? Yeah, um, I see is to you know make sure you're talking to people who know what they're doing with money. For example, um, don't take so there's a, there's a saying you know seek counsel, not opinion. Mm-hmm. So if you, like you're you know seeking somebody who is actually making money and saving money. Mm-hmm. Don't speak to somebody who's making money and spending all their money. <laughs> because That's not the right person to talk to, right? So the, the person, the counsel is really the person that's going to be able to help you to learn how to use your money wisely, how to save it wisely, you know, and, and figure all that stuff out. So seek counsel, not opinions. I like that. That's one of my favorite sayings. One of my mentors uh, taught me that. And it's, it's so important. And then the next one is, I think a, a skill that is very, very important for kids to learn, you know, a skill that I'm just now learning at age 55, like I'm just now learning this, is sales. Now, sales, people see as a bad thing. A lot, you know, a lot of people see it as a bad thing. But if you can learn how how sales, how important and valuable sales is at a young age, you can easily um, port that into your professional life. So sales is uh, sales is. I sold myself to my husband, like telling him how great I am, you know, and and he did the same thing. So sales goes to people as well as selling products and services. But realizing that um, one person has a need and you fit that need. I'm going to sell my services to you because you need this and you want this. So I have the solution for you. And that's all sales really is, is a, a problem and a solution. And I always thought sales was icky because we hear about the used car salesman and just has a bad connotation. But that doesn't mean that I have to be that kind of salesperson. I don't have to be pushy. I just have to fill a need is all it is. Yeah. And oh, I'm you were preaching to the choir there because, yes, so many people, the moment you say sales and stuff, they they, they think like Harb Tarlick and and <laughs> WKRP in Cincinnati or like so the Slimies or, or, or what was it, 10 men. Like they think all the bad things. But I'm going, I teach people about sales. Sales is using your specialized knowledge and skills to help people pro- get the right product or service to fulfill their want or need. And then right. a lot of people say it's consulting, but it's just it's it's using your skills to help a person find what they need. Anything else is just being a con artist, as far as I'm concerned. That's not sales. Right, right. Yeah, because you don't want to convince people they need something that they don't need. It's more like helping them realize that this is the solution for their problem. Exactly. Well, yeah. thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be on the podcast. It was great having you. Well, you're welcome. Can I give a gift away, a free gift? Oh, of course you can. Please. Okay. Well, throughout all this process, I've done over 2,400 live videos. And in doing that many live videos, you know, part of it was through fears that I was facing, but I created a video content planner because the biggest problem a lot of people have with doing their videos is they're not sure what to do their videos about. 
So this live video content planner, it guides them through all the steps that they need to do so that they can know what content to share with the world. They can share their gifts with the world on video, which is one of the best ways to make connection. So that that can be found at livinglive.tv slash VCP, which is video content planner. Well, thank you very much for your generosity. You're welcome. I hope it's very helpful. I know it's helpful for some people, so hopefully it's helpful for the others. <laughs> you know what? I have no doubt that it would be. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Thank you for having me today. All right. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundations Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fund, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fund Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfund.ca.